All right, let's get going with what we're talking about today as we continue this. Goliath, we're facing the giants. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. That's out of, that's out of 1 Samuel 17, and, and we're going to spend a lot more time on 1 Samuel 17 today. This is, what, this is where this is coming from as we talk about David and Goliath. It's, gonna, it's coming from this. Goliath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. You guys, every single day we face giants. Every day, each one of us face giants that are out in front of us. You face that giant, some of us face the giant, right? When you wake up in, out of bed and, you're, and you're, the first thing you're doing is, is, is going, to the, going to the bathroom and, and that walk to the bathroom is a giant for some people. That, that going into the closet and, and picking out something to wear, that's a giant for people. And I'm not talking about wh- which shirt to wear, what color should I wear today? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the giant that is, that is looking at that stuff and going, none of it fits. I don't like what I feel like. That giant, some people face every single day. You face that giant when you're coming down the stairs and you're, you're going outside you're, you're, or maybe you're, 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 you're getting your kids ready for school and you're sitting there going, man, you know, do I even like doing this? And, and why, do I, why do I get so annoyed at being a parent? And you face that giant of guilt that you might feel around thoughts like that as you're, as you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You face giants when you walk out the door and, and you get in your car and you're heading to, to, to work or to school. Think about your kids that face the giant when they get on the school bus and they're just going, that, that, the insecurity that they feel or the loneliness that they feel or the unknown that they feel walking onto that bus or when you get to school. Those kids that get to school and they look at the out the front of the face of their school and they're going, here it goes again today. Will anybody really know me in those halls? That's a giant that you face. And you're, and you're getting out of your dorm room and you're walking on campus and, you're, and, you, and you can walk the entire day on the CU campus and not one person said hi to you. And, and there's, a, there's a loneliness around that and you, you're facing that giant. You face the giant as you're heading to, to work and, you, and you, uh, as, you're, as you're getting closer to work, you're just going, uh-oh, here co- the life is starting. <laughs> life is starting when I get there and you root for red lights. I don't know how many of you guys root for red lights, but just like, can I just be a red light so I can just not have to engage yet? <laughs> you know? So you just stop at the red light and go, sweet, I got four more minutes than I thought I was going to have before I have to engage. You face that giant. You face the giant. You, you, you got a, someone at work that you find attractive that, you're, that you're, you know is starting to pull you away from your spouse and you're going, you face that giant. We face giants every day. I am not talking about annoying things like, like, like traffic. That's not the giants that we're talking about. We're talking about the giants that set out to destroy. We're talking about the giants that set out to distract we're talking about the giants that set out to, to, to disengage, to, to make us disengage from the people around us and the things around us. We're talking about those kind of giants, the ones that have the power to kill, to kill in relation, to, 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 to take our marriage and, and, and just go to whittle it away. We're talking about those giants that are, that are in, our, in our relationships, in our roommate situations that just start to erode them. Every one of us have them. 
Louis Giglio wrote this, this, this book called um, Goliath Must Fall, and he had five giants that he's saying, this is what he sees most people have. He says there's a giant, there's, a, there's the, the giant of fear, and that you've, you, it's behind the initial stuff, that you might see something on the outside, but behind that is this giant of fear. He says there's a giant of rejection. Some people just wake up and they face it right when they get outside. They're going, all right, here it comes, giant of rejection that I'm going to face again today. A giant of addiction where you just go, again, day after day after day, I keep facing this same thing that I keep giving into. I was talking to my dad about, about when, he, when he used to smoke cigarettes and he says, yeah, he says, I used to smoke a pack before I would get to the shower. And you just go, that's a, that's a, that is an addiction that we faced every single day, that giant. Some people face a giant of anger that you just go, I can't get rid of it. It just continues to come after me every day. Or even a giant of comfort is what Louis Giglio talks about. It's about even that comfort becomes a giant. Where you just go, I, I start to get so, so much uh, glued to the comfort that I don't want to challenge myself to push myself anywhere else. And we face that every day. I started thinking of other ones, giants of illness and depression and sadness and grief and overwhelmedness, if that's a word, and anxiety and confusion and oppression and disappointment. We, there's, you think about it, any one of those could be your giant. I mean, there's symptoms. There's things like, you know, you drive down the road and your, and your you know, service engine light comes on and you just go, oh, I'm annoyed at the service engine light. But for some of us, you see that and you go, no, there's something deeper. There's, I, why is everything in my life broken? Why do I feel that way, that it's always broken? And so that becomes a giant for you. It becomes one where you just go, why am I thinking those thoughts? And why, is, why do I tend to live in those thoughts? And why do those thoughts tend to, to, to dominate my life? See, you guys, one of the things I want you guys to do this morning is I want you guys to think about your giant. I want you to actually right now think about what's your giant, what's your thing in your life right now that tends to, to rob you of life, that tends to rob you of joy. What's the thing in your life right now that tends to, to, to set out to destroy or to distract? You need to think about that right now. I know some of you come into church and you don't want to think about those things right now. I mean, that, that's me. There's so many times I've come to church and I'm going, I don't want to engage. I hope it's a good song. You know, I hope it's a decent talk. I don't really want to engage. But God has got you here for a reason. To hear this stuff today, in this scripture today, God's got you to, to we're going to be digging into 1 Samuel 17 and he's got you here but if we don't think about what our giant is, this is going to fall flat. You gotta, I want you to be thinking about it and process that as we go through Scripture today. For some of us like me, sometimes I get out here and I just need a slap in the face that wakes me up to say, yes, I didn't even realize I needed to deal with that. You need just to kind of just get kind of shocked awake. Shoot, last, last week I was, I was working out in the gym and, and, and I, I was stretching, which rarely happens for me. I was actually stretching and I was, I was stretching my hamstring and I grabbed one of those um, rubber band things to stretch with and I, and I, and I got on the ground and, and, and you know, and I, I'll just show you. I got on the ground and I was, and I had my leg up and I had the band on there and I'm, and I'm pulling it down so I'd stretch my hamstring. And, and you guys, you know, I don't stretch very often so I'm probably doing this wrong, but I don't wanna hear that, that's not the point. So, so I'm, I'm here and I'm pulling this thing down, stretching it, this, this rubber thing, pulling it down and I'm getting it super, super tight. And then it slipped off my toe. <laughs> no joke. 
No joke, it slipped off my toe and slapped me across the face. Not exactly here, more like here. It just slapped me right across the face. The first thing I did is look and saw if anybody was looking. I know that's the first thing I cared about. Did anybody see that? And then I went, ouch! It just, it, but man, it was an early morning workout. I was tired and it woke me up. I was ready to work out right after that. I was like, that's what I needed. That's what I needed. You know, it left a mark, but it's what I needed. So what some of us need every once in a while. You need to be woken up to the fact that scripture speaks to us. That God, this is God's voice. And that he's going to talk to us today about giants. And you can choose to engage in that or not. But if you choose to engage, I think the Lord's got something in store for us when it comes to, to this passage in particular, because we're going to walk through uh, 1 Samuel 17. We're going to walk through a lot of scripture today with this. We're going to look at this, this story that's really interesting, you guys, because David and Goliath, if you grew up in the church, is a kid's story. It's a story that you, you, you know, you sit and listen to, oh, this big giant came in, and then David came with his little slingshot, and he shot him, and it bonked him on the head, and, and the giant fell, and he died. It's a great story. So that's all we ever think about. It's just a kid's story. Or if you didn't grow up in the church, you just think about it like it's, it's just an underdog story. It's the underdog. I, you know, it's any, I mean, I looked up headlines of David and Goliath, and they use them all the time, especially in sports. David versus Goliath. Shoot, some of you might think that way today with Patriots and Broncos. You know, it's David and Goliath right now. The Broncos are David, you guys, in that one. Um, <laughs> I know you want to still be Goliath, but it's been a little harder this year. But, but you see that all the time. So even if you didn't grow up in the church, you know that. You know that it's just, a, it's just an underdog story. But today, as we look through this, I think we might see this not so much as a kid's story. And I think we also might see it not so much as an underdog story. So let's dig into it, okay? This is gonna be, we're going to read through 1 Samuel 17, almost the whole chapter, okay? So, so settle in, and we're going to dig into this thing. Because I think some of you maybe have never even fully read this story. So let's, let's just read the story together. Okay, it starts this way. The Philistines were on one hill, and the Israelites were on the opposing hill with the valley in between them. So here we go. The Israelites are on one side at a high, high point, and the Philistines were on the other side at a high point. Back then in war, you did, you did not give up your high point. You didn't. You didn't Want, want to, you didn't want to fight uphill. That was the point of, of, of power is, is at the high points. And so Israelites are on one side and the Philistines, their enemy was on the other side. And in between there was the Valley of Allah. And so, so no one, they were, they were in a stalemate because no one wanted to give up those positions. And then the Philistines sent out Goliath and he went down into the Valley of Allah. And he had, this is where he is screaming out to the, Philistine, to the, to the Israelite army, who's going to come out and battle me? So here we go. A giant nearly 10 feet tall stepped in, from the, stepped in out from the Philistine line into the open. Goliath from Gath. And I love what Jim said last week about this because don't get caught up in his actual size. Don't get, oh no, wait, was he 10 feet tall? What was that? Don't get caught up in that. Just know he was huge. He was, he was a giant. He was way bigger than us. You got to know that as we're processing our own giant. When you think of your own giant in your life and you're processing that and you're thinking through this, you're going, that giant feels way bigger than me. When that kid goes to school and they stand outside that school and they feel that, that inadequacy or they feel that loneliness as they're about to step in school, they're not thinking about a giant being honest. It's just this little, they're thinking the giant is huge. 
I want you to, I want you to just recognize that. That is Goliath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards and carried bronze, a bronze sword. His, his spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 50 pounds. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. So he was an imposing figure, you guys. Goliath stood there and called out to the Israelite troops, why bother using your whole army? Am I not Philistine enough for you? And you're all committed to Saul, aren't you? So pick your best fighter and pit him against me. If he gets the upper hand and kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves. But if I get the upper hand and kill him, you'll all become our slaves and serve us. I challenge the troops of Israel this day. Give me a man. Let us fight this thing out together. And so Goliath is taunting them right now. And he's saying, come on, come out here and fight. And if I win, you become subject to me. Which, if you think about it, when you think of your own giants in your life, how often do they become the, you become subject to them? If your giant is anger, how often do you become subject to that anger? If your giant is fear, how often do you become subject to that fear? To where your day is defined by it. When, you're, when your giant is anxiety, your day is defined by that anxiety. And your night is defined by it. Then you wake up the next morning and you're still subject to it. And that's what Goliath is saying. If I win, you become subject to me. When Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. Each morning and evening for 40 days, Goliath took his stand and made a speech. Super important to see you guys. Every single day he came out and did it. He was unrelenting. Every day he came out and he kept doing the same thing over and over again. And you know your giants in your life. And you know that they keep coming. They keep going. One day after the next, after the next, they keep reappearing again and again and again. And it's the same old cry. It's the same old story. But they just keep on coming. Enter David. David was up at the crack of dawn and having arranged for someone to tend his flock, took the food and was on his way just as Jesse, his dad, had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the army had moved into battle formation, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines moved into position, facing each other, battle ready. See, they moved into position. They had their battle cry. It was, this is the day. This is the day it's going to change. This is the day we're going to make the stance. This is the day that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make the, the new thing happen. This is the day my courage is going to win. This is the day I'm going to grit my teeth and make it work. They came out and they had that battle cry that this is the day that I'm going to see the difference happen. Just like we do. David left his bundles of food in the care of a sentry, ran to the troops who were deployed and greeted his brothers. While they were talking together, the Philistine champion, undefeated, or at least it feels undefeatable, Goliath of Gath stepped out from the front lines of the Philistines and gave his usual challenge. David heard him. The Israelites, to a man, fell back the moment they saw the giant totally frightened. This is 40-some days later. It's the same thing. It's, it, you would think by this point, the giant would come out. Goliath would say the things he'd say, and they're going, here he goes again. And they just sit there and go, yeah, whatever, whatever. You're staying down there in the Valley of Allah. I don't care. 42, 43, 45, however many days later it was, at least after 40 days, they're still frightened, fall back frightened. 
And that's the way we are with our giants. A giant you might be thinking of. You just go, man, I keep, that keeps knocking me on my butt. That same old thing. And it keeps giving it to me, and I keep, it's scaring me to death. And it's robbing me of life. You know, as we, as we look at this story, and as I, before I read the rest, it's so easy for us to relate to the Israelite army, isn't it? Far easier to relate to the Israelite army than it is to relate to even David, who's going to become the hero in a second year. It's, it, we're the Israelite army. We sit there, and we're on our ledge, and we're just scared. <laughs> and we're just going, how long is this guy going to be here? And when do I ever get a move? And when is this ever going to change? I think that's the way we feel with our giants. Now let's read through the rest of the story. Master said, David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered, David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced, and he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knocking it down and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who's taunting the troops of God alive. God, who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear, will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, go, and God help you. I don't think Saul meant, God help you. I think he meant, God help you. <laughs> then Saul outfitted, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Then Saul, then Saul outfitted David and his soldier in his armor. He put on his bronze helmet in his head and belted his sword on over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. See, here's, this is an important thing. We'll talk about this a little bit later. It's, see, uh, Goliath was an infantry soldier. Goliath is one that had, there's different kinds of soldiers, and he was an infantry soldier that had all kinds of armor on. And he was expecting to fight another infantry soldier. And so that's what Saul was thinking, was let's make David another infantry soldier and put this stuff on. But David wasn't an infantry soldier. He was one of the archers and slingers. And so he wasn't even one of those guys, and he was trying to put that stuff on him to fight the giant to make him something that he really is. It wasn't even, it wasn't even him. He was, he was equipped to do something totally different. And so David said to Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. Then David took off his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the, from the brook, and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's pack, and with his sling in his hand approached Goliath. As the Philistine paced back and forth, his shield bearer in front of him, he noticed David. He took one look down on him and sneered. A mere youngster, apple-cheeked and peach fuzz, the Philistine ridiculed David. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said the Philistine, I'll make roadkill for, for, for you for the buzzards. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for the field mice. David answered, you come at me with sword and spear and battle axe. I come at you in the name of God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. This very day God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you, cut off your head and serve, your body up to the, your, and serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and the coyotes. The whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel and everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save, save by means of sword or spear. The battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a platter. That roused the Philistine and he started toward David. David took off from the front line running towards the Philistine. David reached into his pocket for a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine hard on the forehead, embedding the stone deeply. The Philistine crashed face down in the dirt. That's how David beat the Philistine, with a sling and a stone. He hit him and killed him, no sword for David. Then David ran up to the Philistine and stood over him, pulled the giant's sword from its sheath, and finished the job by cutting off his head. 
When the Philistines saw that their great champion was dead, they scattered, running for their lives. That sounds like an awesome kid story. <laughs> I can't believe we even read that. I can't believe that. I mean, that, and then he cut off his head. Later, he gave it to Saul, the head. So <laughs> we do, it's weird that we look at this as a kid story. It's not. This is an adult story. This is, a, this is about us and our giants. Shoot, as I've been spending time in this and thinking through the giants of my own life, I've been thinking all through the Bible, there's all kinds of stories that will ultimately lead back to David and Goliath. When Jesus starts talking about the prodigal son, when he uses that, that he, he tells this parable, the prodigal son, he tells this story of a kid that, that is, is leaving his dad and takes his inheritance and goes out and spends it and squanders, the, squanders all of his inheritance, ends up eating pig slop, turns around, comes back to the dad, is afraid of how the dad's going to respond to him. And the dad responds to him with, with a big old hug and says, kill the fatted calf, my kid has come home. And we look at that as this awesome story of love and grace and forgiveness by the father. And and it is a story of love and grace and forgiveness, but it's also a giant story. You think about that dad that had to let him go and the giant he faced and letting him go. But you especially think about that kid that goes off and squanders it and he's, in, he's eating the pig slop and he's got to turn around and that giant that he faces in that moment of pride, that pride that's telling him, do not go back, do not... Do not admit defeat. That giant right there is facing him. There's a giant that's facing him as he's coming closer and the guilt is, is right there. That guilt, that's a giant that is saying, do not go all the way back to your dad. There's no way he's gonna receive you. And the dad comes out and runs out and gives him a big old hug and, it's a, and you get to see giants falling when Jesus sits at the woman at the well, sits with this woman who's, who's, who has five husbands or whatever, and she, she's been married a bunch of times, she's been, she's been promiscuous, and, and, and Jesus sitting there with her, and, he's, and, and she, you know the giant that she's facing. Uh, what if I am exposed as a fraud? Or what if he really knew what was going on inside? And that giant that's right there, and then Jesus says, man, I know all that stuff. I love you. Let's change that up. And she goes back and tells people, he knew me from the inside out. He knew my giant. He knew it was right there in front of me. There's stories of giants throughout scripture. It's, and it's stories in our lives too. We've got them, we face them. Now, what do we do about them? What, what's, what, how do we fix this? Well, as I, what happens for me sometimes as I'm preparing sermons is, is every once in a while I'll talk to a couple of people that I know that, that just kind of help me to think through it and think through the scripture. And there's one person in particular that I have spent time with in, in past sermons that I've done that has so helped me. She is a brilliant woman and so, she and I think so similarly when it comes to scripture and, what we're, and, and, and how we're seeing it apply to our lives. Her name is Janie Donatucci. Some of you know her. Janie and I have had a great relationship for a long time and she has spoken into a lot of this stuff. Well, when I came to her on this one in particular, I really wanted to talk to Janie about this one, about the giants in our life, because I knew that Janie was facing a giant. Janie, has, Janie found out a couple of years ago that she has stage four kidney cancer that has metastasized and gone to other parts of her body now. 
And so I knew she is facing a massive, massive giant. And so, and so I, wanted, I, I thought to myself, I don't want to come up in front and talk about giants in our life and how do we tame our giants and, and have Janie sitting in the room and have her sit there and go, okay, that's nice, but that doesn't even come close to my giant. And so I came to her and I said, Janie, how, how have you done it? And oh my gosh, was she, just, she gave me stuff. I pulled out my phone. I started taking notes. I'm going, this is brilliant. Will you do the sermon? And, you know, and she's like, no, I won't. So, so, we just, so we just started to kind of craft a little bit more about what, it, what, what does it look like to tame our giants. And so we sat together and walked through that stuff. The very first thing she told me is she said, you need to know, Bill. She said, my giant is no bigger than anybody else's. It's not bigger than yours. It's not bigger than anybody else's. Yeah, it feels bigger because it's cancer. But it's no bigger than anybody's giant. That giant that that kid is facing going to school, that giant that you're facing of insecurity, the giant of of disappointment or of discouragement that you feel when you're going to work, it's no different, no bigger. They're both giants. And she said, that's key that everyone knows. Stop comparing them and just recognize they're there. The valley of Allah is right there and Goliath is screaming at us daily. And so then, then she said this, she said, she said here's the, the first thing, so we, have, we, we, we came up with four things that we flat see that we got to do in taming our giants. And the first one was this, we got to identify the giant. We got to identify the giant. I've told you this, I already told you this, you've got to see it. It's not going away. It's not just going to go find somebody else. The giant's there, you got to identify it. You got to see it. You got to dig a little deeper you got to let, it, let yourself go a little further and go, what is the giant in my life that is robbing me of joy? What is the giant in my life that's robbing me of life? you got to grab hold of that one. What's the giant? Now, she added something to that. You also got to know what that giant attacks. you got to identify the giant and what it's attacking. She said that if she finds that her giants attack one of three ways, they, she attacks, they, she attack, they attack spiritually, they attack physically or they attack emotionally. And it's, it's important for us to get even further into our giant to actually find out which one is it attacking in us so we know what to do. She used her example of cancer in her life and she said, she said see, for cancer, a lot of people would think my giant is, my, is physical. But she said, that's not my giant. She said, in, for a lot of people, it is at this stage of cancer. But for her, she said she's gotten up and she kind of, she accepts some of, the, some of the, the physical limitations that she's got, she knows that they're there and she gets up each day and she goes, I know that and that isn't the thing that's robbing me. She said, spiritually, that's not her giant. A lot of people, it is at this point and that's legit, you guys. For some of you guys that are sitting there going, God, I don't get it. I don't get why. I don't get where you're at. I don't, I, it's hard for me to pray to you right now. Some of you, that's your, it's your spiritual giant. And you got to recognize that, that it's attacking you spiritually. But for her, she said that it's actually drawn her closer to God instead of further away. And she's having some beautiful, intimate times with the Lord in the midst of all this. So she said, that's not her giant. But she said, emotionally, that fully is her giant. That it's attacking her emotionally. It's attacking her with fear. It's attacking her on, on that end. And so she's going, do I, am I questioning God? No. Do I fear? Yeah. That's my giant. My giant is the fear that's coming from this cancer. It's really important for each of us to identify our giants and know what they're attacking. 
Recognize what they're attacking. The second one was this that we talked about. The second one is identify, put the next one up there, will you? Identify, identify the temptation. Identify the temptation that we are going to be tempted by this giant. Remember, he is, he is calling us out. He's, say, he's, he's saying, here, I want you guys to hear me. And he's, he's calling us out. And so what are we tempted by with this giant? What's, where are we tempted to go? What are we tempted to do? You got to recognize that. Start to go, I know where this is going to lead me. I know where this is gonna, what this is going to have me do. And recognize that, that temptation that's there. Janie was saying that a lot of times for us, we live our life in a circle. And the circle is, is this is my life. This is, it's me and my, my husband and my kids and the things that I do and the people that I meet and, and the job that I do. That's our life. That's our circle. In Janie's life, she said, this is my circle and I've got a door right there. And there's another circle that's right attached to it. And that's the what ifs. And that's, and the giant, the emotional giant continues to taunt her to say, go to that circle, open that door, walk into the what ifs. But she knows the what ifs will only lead her down a path that will rob her. She knows that the what if, she can live the rest of her life in the what if. And it's not going to do anything good for her. And so she recognizes that there's a door right there. That's the temptation that this emotional giant, this giant that's attacking her emotions is going to get to if she opens that door. What's that circle that's there? What's that door that the giant is taunting you towards? We got to recognize to identify the temptation. Then we got to identify the story. Oh, wait, one more thing with the temptation. Here's one of the things she told us to do, told me to do in that. One of the ways for her in identifying the temptation, that door that's right there, she said one of the ways that helps her to not go through that door is she said, I just start thinking of others. How weird is that? She, just start, she said, I just start thinking of others. I start praying for my kids. I start praying for my husband. I start praying for other things, other person she's mentoring. She starts thinking of others and she's going, and, and in a lot of ways, that just takes me away from being overly consumed with myself. And she said, I just start thinking of other people. And I think, and I thought, man, that's brilliant. We start talking about that. That's brilliant. You start thinking of others. You start praying. Can you imagine starting to pray for the, the thing that's your giant? You pray for that boss that you don't like. You pray for the, the, the people that you're working with. You pray for the roommate that made you mad. You're actually now going, oh, now I, I, you, you, you giant, you don't, have, you don't have the control. You start thinking of somebody else. The next one is identify the story. What story are you starting to believe? What story are you starting to convince yourself of? The voice the giant is using, when that giant uses that voice and starts talking to you each day in your area, what story, what are you hearing from that giant that you're now implementing and saying, this is my story? When you, when, you, when you hear the voice that says you don't have friends that lead you to that giant of loneliness and you hear the giant just telling you that, you don't have friends, you're going to die. That's, what, that's one of the voices the giant's trying to tell Janie. You're, you're going to die. You're never going to get married. You sit there and you see all these great people with marriages and kids and you just go, you're never going to get married. Never. You're, you don't have any money. You're a loser. You're too small. You can't do it. Your prayers are worthless. History is against you. I'm undefeated. You don't stand a chance. These are all the voices of the giants. You're just like your mom. You're just like your dad. This will always be a part of your life. You'll always need to live with things the way they are. Live, life will never change for the better. 
Some of you are in a marriage where you just go, and you believe the giant, life will never change for the better. Your giant will never leave you. Face it deep down. You don't even want to be different. You don't even want to change. So the giant is saying, you don't even want to do it. You don't even want to change. The giant starts to use the voice that says, remember when? Remember when you used to be that great godly person? Remember when you used to pray and you used to serve and you used to be passionate about stuff? Remember back then? Remember when you used to want to conquer the world? Remember when you said you were going to change and it never happened? The giant will, will tell us that's our story. But that's not the voice of Jesus. That is not the voice of the Redeemer. That is not the voice of love. That's not the voice of patience and peace. That's not the voice of the one that says, I claim you as mine. That's not the one that said, I have died for you. That's not the one that says, you will never be alone. That's not the voice that, see, Jesus wants to, wants to craft our story. And he's telling us these things, but we're listening to our giants. And that voice is winning. And Jesus is saying, no, let me, tell, let me tell your story. Let me tell your story of, that gives us hope, that allows us to battle the giants. Let me tell your story where you, get, you can actually trust in something else besides the lies that the giant continues to tell us. And that leads us to the fourth one. We need to identify the victor. Identify who's really won this battle. Because you see, really, we aren't David in this story. We're not David. Jesus is David. And Jesus saw a giant in front of us that taunts us, that robs us from life, that robs us from joy. Je Jesus sees that giant in front of us, and it's massive. It's a massive giant. And he's going, and I'm going to fight it. And I'm going to kill it. And you know what? I'm not even the underdog. See, David went out to fight this giant, you guys. He had the power of the Lord and he had the gifts the Lord had given him. The gifts the Lord had given him, you guys, that's what I'm talking about with the infantry versus the, the archers and the, and the slingers. You guys, those slingers, those things, they could sling a rock 200 yards, two football fields. They were pinpoint accurate with it. You could, these posts that are right here in the middle of the room, they could stand up here and hit the post and expect to hit it every time. They said that they'd use these dense rocks that they would pick up to put in it. It's not a slingshot. Stop thinking of a slingshot. That's the kid's story. This thing was a thing that they would whip around and around and fire it at something with this super dense rock. And it, they said the impact of those rock is the same as a bullet. And so David didn't put armor on because he knew he was never going to get close enough to Goliath. He came out there on that field and he knew that God gave him the power and the confidence to do this and he gave him the gifts to be able to do it and he whipped the sling around and he fired it exactly where he expected it to go. He didn't need five stones, he used one. And he got it, gave it exactly where it was supposed to go and it hit him right in the forehead and it killed him. Jesus was not the underdog. Jesus went out and said, I got this. Through the Lord and his power, I have got this and I am gonna kill this giant. And he did. And then he cut its head off. You want to know the one place where Jesus was, did, never, did, did not give an ounce of mercy? The only place where Jesus didn't give an ounce of mercy was to sin and death. He cut its head off. 
He said, there, there will be no more. See, Jesus already won the battle. And because he already won the battle, and we can now, it allows us to look at our giants and say, God is able. And God is before us. Because Jesus is able and Jesus went before us. We can say that now. Now, now look, Louis Giglio said this, because I don't want to candy coat this thing. I want you to say, so, so now because Jesus did that, now your giants are gone. No, this is, this, I love the way he says this in his book. He says, we don't minimize the situation. We maximize our view of the only one we can totally trust. We don't simply deny the problem we are threatened by. We relocate it to the hands of the one that can manage it well. And we leave it there as we close our eyes to sleep. I think maybe the, thing, the reason why I did that, that quote resonated with me so much when I read the book is because that's the, that the sleep is what, what my giants robbed me of. And I, and I struggle through all of that part of it. And he says, it, when, we, when we maximize our view of the one we can totally trust, we can close our eyes to sleep. Psalm 3, 1 through 5 says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there's no help for you in God. That's our giants taunting us day and night. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake up again for the Lord sustains me. I lie down and sleep and I wake up again and the Lord sustains me. Because the giant is at my door and he's trying to convince me of a story to live today. And instead, I could say, no, the story I'm going to live today is forgiveness. The story I'm going to live today is grace. The story I'm going to live today is peace. The story I'm going to live today is God is before me. The story I'm going to live today is God is able. That's my story today. And tomorrow, the giant will be back out again. And he will scream again. And he will taunt again, and he will tempt again. And I will tell him the story is the same today as it was yesterday. God is able, and he is before me. And we can conquer this, not as underdogs, but with the power of God. Father, I pray. I pray, Lord, that, that you would help each one of us to recognize our giants, even the ones that are really hidden, that we'd recognize them. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to see you, to hear your voice, to grab hold of the story that you're telling. God, we pray against the lies that we can give into so easily. And we pray, Lord, that we would face every single one of our giants knowing that the victory has already been won. God, we pray that we would claim that and live into that truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going um, to take our offering now, and this is when you're going to turn in those cards. If you've got some cards to turn in, if, that's, if you want to participate in this, this would be the time. You guys, this whole thing with this whole building, this, is a, this was a giant, a giant of what was seemingly impossible. 
and, we're, and God is making it possible. And we are getting more and more excited around what, how God is making it possible. And he's making it possible through you guys. Now, we're also going to take our offering, too, because, because we, got, we still got to pay the bills around here. So this is just be our time for our offering. And we got to tell you guys, we, Jim and I cannot believe the generosity of this, this room. We cannot believe that you guys not only pledged the amount of money that you pledged this last year and what you're going to pledge for this new building, but that you've also continued to give to what's going on in this church. And we hit our budget this last year. You guys pledged 3.1 million. You gave a million dollars already to that, and we still hit our budget in this last year. That's you guys just being generous and generous and generous with what you guys have. So th- at this point right now, we're going to have those baskets come around. You're giving with that generosity to, to the things of this church, and then those cards we can put in there as well, okay? Let's sing a couple more songs together.